Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 22 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Oh, doing okay. Cool. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, man. Um, things... I'm... I'm just I'm choosing to be okay, man. Hey, Things you know are, that's uh, a great choice when you, when it's possible. Yep. Yeah. You know what else is a great yep. choice, Dave? I think I do. It's watching episode twenty-two of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Escape the Labyrinth of Evil, and we're going to talk about that today, Dave. But of course, before we get into that, as always, we have our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Man, our first star of the week, it's Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. You know, honestly, Matt, I don't really even have a new new Bun Vulcan this week. It would just feel weird not to do it. My only, I just, I can't, I can't get my croissants Right. Well, Dude, like I mean, they just Dave, I can't get I you know, I, I I get the impression and I still have not attempted to make them myself. I I keep like looking at the recipe and be like, yeah, tomorrow I'm definitely going to try to start doing that. Um but my understanding is like that is one of those things that people like takes a very long time to master. Like, you know, getting up to a good plateau takes you know like a while to get up to that first plateau but then that plateau i think is pretty long before you start to like creep up again in quality yeah you know i uh i think i may just have to buy a professional quality dough sheeter that's probably the i mean that's probably the, the issue i think it actually is so for a while i was pretty sure that it was my butter mm-hmm. was too cold okay yeah because the okay, because the thing is, is that you really need long, contiguous bits of butter. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, you, you went into a little detail about. Okay, this last got week. it. And so I think what I'm doing is I'm rolling unevenly. Mm-hmm. All right, and because I'm rolling unevenly, inadvertently, I am pressing the dough down through the soft butter. Okay. When I do those, when I do that, when I accidentally do an uneven roll. And when I do that, I'm breaking the butter up because I definitely kept it warm enough this time that it was not, uh, it didn't crack on me. So that wasn't the problem. Okay. So I think I just need to buy a professional dough sheeter, I think is basically the, uh, what's going on here. It's the only, it's the only reasonable it's thing to do. It's the only reasonable conclusion to draw, Matt. Now, do you already have, um, like those... Uh, spacers for your rolling pin like the sort of you know like what? silicon bands that you can put on either end to make sure that like you know i don't that probably would be a reasonable middle step i mean they're only a few bucks i feel like you can do that just to prove to yourself that it wouldn't work and then you're justified in buying the professional dough sheeter 
Yeah, that is probably... And if that, that doesn't is... work, you're just going to have to start importing your uh, butter from France. Because you know they got that special butter. They do have that special butter. Uh, the K-Tom Restaurant Supply has a Bake Max something or other, and it's only like six and a half grand. So that seems like a very reasonable investment. Yeah, I mean, do you have oh, room the for co- in your oh, kitchen? There's a, or? Yeah, there's a countertop version that's only three, so... Oh, that's half off, man. Yeah. You just saved yourself three grand. You'd be a fool not to buy it. At that price, can you afford not to? I mean, listen, I've, you know it's it's a savings at any price, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think you should definitely go for it after you uh, at least try the the spacers. Um, yeah, that's that's probably again, a pretty reasonable just call. to check it off the list so that you're not gonna like have that little bit bothering you. Like, like, do you remember Dave in Secret of Mana? How we missed the weapon orb, and so we never got the whip past the Nimbus chain. Matt, I was I was, you, I I was choosing to be okay today, Matt. Well, I'll, I was choosing to be okay. What I'm saying, Dave, is that if you bypass the silicon rings on your way to the professional dough sheeter, I feel like that's always going to be a bit of a Nimbus chain for you, where you you missed a step, and and then when you got to the terminal end of your development. There was something missing, irreplaceable in the process leading to that. I think that's, Matt, I think, again, I think that's really the only reasonable conclusion that we can draw. Yeah. Anyway, my, my bun Vulcan this week is that I have gotten the KitchenAid, and I have not used it yet, but it is sitting on my counter, and it's beautiful. It's in the aqua blue color, which is like the, sort of a light retro-y, like sort of powder, sort of sky blue. Very cool. Love to look at it. Just go into my kitchen and stare at it sometimes. Have not turned it on. <laughs> it is a, it's a beautiful color, Matt. It looks really good. It looks good in your kitchen and with you. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I, I did take a KitchenAid selfie when I got it. Because uh, uh, it was, I think the pose was particularly excellent because you absolutely captured the, uh, the subtle energy, I think, of someone like posing next to a hot rod, mm-hmm. but toned appropriately for like a dude in his mid-30s with a new KitchenAid. Um yeah, well, I also had to, I really wanted to sort of get my head as close as I could to it for scale, uh, which which got me a little, it, it was a little bit of an awkward posing, but I, it was good. It was good. No, no, no. It worked for you. It worked. It was very good. Uh, anyway, yeah, my, my bun Vulcan is that I have not yet done that thing, but I did buy it, so I'm ready now. There you go. There you go, Matt. Uh, so, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is something I have done in the kitchen, and Dave... It's soup season. It's back, baby. Soup. The soup's on. It is. Uh, I am, you know, it got it got a little bit brisk earlier in September, and then it warmed up again, and then now it's cold again. But, dude, as soon as it got cold, Beth and I were like, ooh, fall foods. And, uh, yeah, it's soup. It's soup season. Here's my perennial favorite, butternut squash soup. Ooh, I like a butternut squash soup. Butternut squash soup with curry powder. And some, uh, if you fry some onion with the butternut squash, if you have the time, uh, fry the butternut squash up with onion before you put the stock in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a lot much nicer flavor. Also, pro tip from a dude who uh, spent some time professionally slicing up butternut squash. I don't know what it is about the starch mm-hmm. in a butternut squash, 
but it is it's like it's incredibly sticky and it dries on your hands in a weird way oh and it's like crazy difficult to get out it's the worst so everybody's got gloves around now just use one of the nitrile gloves that you have or latex gloves or whatever just put that on before you start cutting up your squash you're gonna be way happier that is a great pro tip thank you dave you know i I actually have some butternut squash in my fridge i have not gotten to turning it into soup yet because I did, like an immersion blender is the one thing I don't have in my kitchen. Oh, dude, yeah, you really should. And like, you should I get could, an. A, don't could, get it. Don't buy it for yourself. I could dump it into my food processor, but like, that's a whole thing. Uh, it's kind of a whole thing. You know what you could do? Fry up the butternut squash mat. Mm-hmm. Just turn that into a puree in the food processor, which would be a lot less messy, and then thin it out a little bit with the stock. Oh, that would be a good call. That would be a good call. That's the move. Also, guy, if you're if you're thinking about soup, if you're a person that doesn't know this already and you're thinking about soup, let me uh let me give you enlighten you a little bit. Escoffier said it and he was right. It's all about stock. All right. Good soup starts with good stock. 100% and good stock true. is 100% true. And friends, good stock is not hard to make. And you might say to yourself, but Dave, I can just buy stock and broth from the store. Yes, you can. It is it is virtually an entirely different food stuff. Here's the pro move. Here's the easiest version of this. You know what you do, Matt? What do you do, Dave? If you're a person that can go to Costco, you go to Costco and you get yourself one of those $5 rotisserie chickens. Mm-hmm. You can eat the meat off of it if you want. You don't have to. You can just chuck the whole chicken in a pot, and it'll the stock will be even better. But it'll still be almost as good. Just toss that whole thing in a pot, and with like some bay leaf, some peppercorn, an onion, a carrot, some celery if you lean that way. I will put it in stock even though I don't like celery. I was going to say, absolutely put celery in. Dave just doesn't like celery. No, 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 I will put celery in my stock. I just don't often have celery in my house because, like, I don't really care for celery. But if you have, put it in the stock. And just let that simmer for, like, a couple hours, right? Like, four or five, six hours. Uh, You can't overcook stock, but this is not a culinary podcast. This is, like, the very basics. There's, like, a million things about stock. But you can make a decent stock based purely on what I'm telling you right now. Uh... And then you you have no idea how much better your soup is going to be, guys. No idea. Uh, anyway, I did not do that because I uh, don't have a Costco membership, actually. And the store down the street from me... Well, that, I mean, any chicken will do. They're just five bucks. So, you know, yeah. the, the store down the street from me that does rotisserie chickens, I think, isn't doing them right now. They have scaled back on their prepared foods um, sort of during these unprecedented times. They've still got some of their prepared foods, but not, like, all of them. And that's one of the ones they cut out mm. for whatever reason. Um, so I just got a box of chicken stock. But I made split pea soup, which is my, like... Split pea soup is weird because it is, like, the one comfort food of mine that is not something I grew up with. Because mom... I don't ever really remember mom making split pea soup. She made a lot of great soups. I don't remember her doing yeah, split Yeah, weirdly, pea. she didn't. She made a great cream carrot soup. Um, anyway, but split pea soup is, like, one of the first, like, good things that I learned how to make on my own when I was, like, living by myself for the first time. And so, like, because split pea soup is extremely cheap to make, 
It's extremely cheap to make and delicious. Delicious. And you and like a you know, a pound of split peas will keep you in soup for like three days. Now, if you eat nothing but split pea soup for three days, like you will have a different sort of problem. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, listen, if 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 you are trying to stretch that dollar, split pea soup will get you there. And uh and so, you know, I just learned to make good split pea soup, you know, in my 20s. And so now, like, as soon as split, or as soon as soup season starts, the first one that I roll in with is always a split pea to like, ah, yes, now we're doing it. The one thing I do differently is that I don't, I, 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 I don't know where around me I could get a ham hock without just like going to the West Side Market. Whole Foods, Matt. Hmm? Whole Foods. Whole Foods does a smoked ham hock, or they used to. Uh, I, I would have to get in my car to go to Whole Foods. Oh, okay. You mean like right around you. Right. The grocery store, like in my neighborhood, I don't think has like ham hocks. Yeah, um, that seems unlikely. But they do do their own, like, they, they smoke their own bacon. And they do like a black pepper, uh, like smoked bacon that's really good. So I just get like half a pound of that, carve off like some of the some of the more obvious like nothing but fat bits. So I'm oh, not that'll like, do it. I, I, I it depends on how much of the bacon I'm getting, basically. No, I got you. Um, and and so then I fry that up. Not you know, I just sort of toss that. What's great is that I do it in the instant pot. It's the one thing that I always do in the instant pot. So my instant pot kind of always smells like split pea soup, which is fine. Nothing that's, wrong with that, Matt. What I, I feel like a lot of more for. things, you know, that's one of those things that I feel like you could joke about. Be like, he's an old man. He always smells like pe- pe- split pea soup. Split pea soup smells delicious. Peas are full of umami and it also has ham in it. So yeah. that's a win-win in my book. Um, yeah, I just like, I toss the bacon in, let that go for a few minutes, then toss in my like, you know, onion, celery, carrot, let that go for another few minutes, toss in my garlic, let that go for another few minutes. Boom, you're, you're good. Toss in my stock, toss in my peas. Mix it all up. Salt, pepper, little thyme, little paprika. Put the lid on. It's done. Start to finish. Like, start putting the bacon in the pot to pulling the soup out of the pot. To like eating an, soup. is like an hour and a half with this thing. It's a miracle. I mean, it's not a miracle. Everyone has one in their kitchen. It's just a tool I was going to say, buy, people do say good things about the Instant Pot. That is what I hear. Yeah. Anyway, soup's great. I'm excited for it. Um... Dave, what is our third star of the week? So, man, our third star of the week is... (laughs) We talked about... Have we talked about Hero Forge before? Uh, Hero Forge is a website where you can design your own mini, and they um, they will 3D print it for you and ship it to you. There are a number of companies that do this. I don't know literally... I literally don't know why any of them bother to stay in business or who's ordering from them if you're not ordering from Hero Forge. Because they are so far and away the best version of that. Um, it's, it's almost like it's comedic in my mind. But anyways, uh, they added in a new feature recently, which is where you can add color to your mini. And they can actually print it out in color, um, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. It's incredibly cool when you think about it. You know, and also so do I, it in metal. You can get one sent to you in like bronze. I have seen that. It's a lot of dollars. It's, a, it's like a hundred dollars for a, a mini fake, but 
Yeah. Um, but it is incredibly cool. So anyways, uh, our friends on our, on our daily listserv sort of had not, they did not know really that Hero Forge existed. And we kind of brought it up to them. And then there was just like, there was two days where the only game anybody was playing was like, design your character on Hero Forge and screenshot it and send it to the rest of the listserv. It was really fun. It was also it was really, really fun, fun because we were making them for characters in our mage game. Which is a game that never uses, like, has no reason to ever use a miniature. Has no re- yeah, it's... By the way, we were designing these, not, like, ordering a bunch of them. That would have been an absurd amount of money. It was. I mean, listen, Hero Forge is incredible, and it's incredible technology, and it's super cool. But it's also, like, fairly cutting edge, and you pay, a, you know, you, you pay a very reasonable price for access to that incredibly cool technology. But um, it's not no dollars. Yeah. So what I think is fun is that we have, like, a bunch of us made our mage characters in Hero Forge, like, mini, mini figs, which is fun because... Those characters are, of all the characters that I have ever played, and I think the same is for most of the people in the game, like, those are the most sort of, like, self-insert characters, like, the ones that are most based on us personally. You know, weirdly, I don't... They didn't start out that way, but they definitely have... As time has gone by, I have become a lot more like my mage character, and Mm -hmm. he has become a lot more like me. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put that. Um... So what's fun is, like, I made one of my mage character, but also just made one of me and put them up next to each other. I'm like, yeah, I mean, the hair color is different and the beard is slightly different. And he's got, like, different coloring and what he's wearing. But I didn't really change most of the clothes. I just kind of took the jacket off and, like, messed the hair around and that was him. It was really fun. Yeah, it's... <laughs> like, it the, one that, the one that producer Mark made of his character was just him but like partially a cyborg i mean a magical cyborg but still a magical cyborg yeah definitely at some point i i really should and really would like to actually order actually order a character fig from from hero forge i haven't actually gotten around to doing that part of it yet but i would like to i think that would be cool and fun honestly the one i most want to get is the one i made of myself just because I think it would be funny to have, like, a little minifig of myself on my desk. That would be very... I also made one of me, and I do think it would be very fun. Uh, what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Oh, fourth star of the week, Dave, is... I am still... Uh, I I've, I hit the pause button on it for a while, um, but I'm still kind of house hunting. Um, you know, Matt, I think that's a great zone to be in. Yeah, it's a great zone to be in because it's very because you actually don't have very much pressure, and so you're just sort of like dipping in. And this way, if you do find something you like, you know, you know it's true love because right. there's no pressure. So today I went to one day that was not true love, and I want to talk about it for just a moment. Was I? I saw the pictures of it on the website, and I will tell you the from the pictures. I'm like, this is cool. It's a cool little it house. It looks like a... I saw the pictures, too. It looked very good. And, like, and it's, it wasn't just, like, nice. It was interesting. Like, the guy who lived there had done interesting things with it, you know? Like, he had a definite vibe. I'm like, I'm kind of into this guy's vibe. And then I showed up, and I'm looking around. I'm like, that element is cool. And that element is cool. And that element is cool. And then I take a big step back, and I'm like, there are too many elements... There are there were so many elements to this house. Like you know, when you move into a house, you want it to be your house. This yeah. guy had so thoroughly 
like redone this house that it would only ever be his house even if i bought it from him Ah, I see. You know, that is actually very good advice, Matt, because I am a guy who looks around at my house and says, ooh, I could do like X or Y or Z. And it's a good reminder that you can go, you can go a little bit overboard. And and I was trying to put my finger on what it, what it was, right? Because the guy had definitely like a certain design aesthetic and like Mm -hmm. there was a, there was a type of decor that he liked. And I was trying to figure out exactly how to describe that. And then I stopped off at the liquor store on my way home because I'm out of gin. And, you know, I got to have my martini Mondays. So I was restocking. So I get to to the liquor store and I walk past the rum area. And I see a bottle of not just Kraken spiced rum. It was the black roast coffee rum from Kraken. And I was like, oh... And you said to yourself, that's the aesthetic of this house. It is the black roast (laughs) spiced rum Kraken. Like, even if you removed the the tentacle decals from the wall, which were there, and you took down all of the octopus art that was in the house, which was noticeable, uh, like the countertops and the cabinets and the lighting fixtures and like the stuff, like the ceiling of like of the place just all gave off the vibe of a coffee-infused spiced rum with a picture of an octopus on it. And I was like, I, I couldn't... And listen, this guy was living his best life. I don't want to make fun of him. I like... but when No, I, walked into I saw his, pictures of the house. Yeah. It looked very cool. But like when I walked into his bathroom, I definitely saw that he had caffeinated shaving cream on the shelf. That does seem like a lot, though. And I was like... And like I don't know if there was a picture of an octopus on that, but, like, if there wasn't an octopus, it was a bear or a wolf. Like, it was that sort of, like, it wasn't... And those are your options, right? Yeah. It was, like, it was a lot. And, like, honestly, it didn't look bad. Like, like you said, I showed you the pictures. It looks cool. But I just knew that if I moved into that place, every day I would look around and be like, I'm sorry, house, your master is gone. Like, and now you're just dealing with me. <laughs> now it's just us. Yeah. I, I know that he made everything out of, like, rough wood and metal pipes uh, to put shelves on the wall. But, uh, you know, I don't have as many now decorative we're... skulls as he did. Sorry, man. I got fewer octopus statues. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, so that was my afternoon, Dave. Uh, what is our fifth and final star of the week? So that was a weird transition, Matt, because our fifth and final star of the week is that you have been playing Final Fantasy XV, and I have not played a Final Fantasy game since... Eight? Did you not play nine? Did I? Nine was the one with the guy with the tail. I did not. Nine was good. Did I? Nine was the... I played... This is not a joke. Final Fantasy VIII might be the only one I have actually played. Really? I, I played... Yeah, like start to finish. You were a big tactics guy, but... Um... I was a big tactics guy. I do. I would be playing and... tactics more frequently now, but it's still like $45. Yeah. Uh, and we played Crystal Chronicles all the way through. Were you not part of that group? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't count. No, no, no. I was. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I don't think of that as a Final Fantasy game. But yes, I did play Crystal Chronicles. Um, so anyways, I, Matt, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. So I played 
Crystal Chronicles. I played um, Tactics. I played 7, 8, and 9. And, like, that was my era of Final Fantasy, right? Like, I never picked up 10. I never picked up 10. You know, like, basically any of the other ones. And I had kind of written off the series for a while because, like, they had become MMOs at some point. And I don't know. Like, I just kind of bounced off of them after the PS1, I guess. Like, they just never really appealed to me. But Final Fantasy XV is included on the Xbox Game Pass right now. And I was kind of looking for something new to play. And I was like, you know, I heard good things about this game. It, like, I already have the Game Pass subscription. Doesn't hurt me to check it out. Downloaded it. Dude, Dave, Final Fantasy games are good. Did you know this? Yeah, no, that is... People, people have mentioned that to me in the past. Yeah. It's these four guys that go on a road trip. And it goes extremely bad for them. Um, like it's a totally different game than what I was used to because it's not turn-based. You don't have a big party that you can choose from. It's just like a prince and his three best friends slash bodyguards, um, like just rolling around going through this adventure. It's like this active combat system. There are only three spells through most of the game. Like it's a really, what's weird is when the game boots up, there's a screen that comes up that says a Final Fantasy for... Like fans and first timers, which is which kind of feels right. At least it is for okay. me because I am a theoretically a fan, but have been away from the franchise for so long that I'm kind of a first timer. Functionally, yeah, man, that's you know the coolest thing about it though is the summons, the summoning spells. Because you know, well, I think that's true. That's true of a lot of Final Fantasy games, okay. in my recollection. But catch this, so. It's no, like this. They are no longer a spell that you have that you can like deploy. They are just you know like there's Titan and there's Rama and there's Ifrit yeah. or not Ifrit. There's Leviathan. Whatever you know. There are the the Final Fantasy summons, the core ones, and they sort of eventually one by one sort of like join your side. But they'll oh, just okay. show up sometimes, and they kind of only show up when you're having trouble. And so you'll just be in a fight, and you'll be like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. I'm going to have to reload. I'm, like, using up all of my items. And then just all of a sudden, like, the sky splits open, and Rama is there. And he's, like, the size of a skyscraper, and he just, like, destroys (laughs) everything. And you're like, yes, my man, my absolute dude, here you are. (laughs) It feels so good every time. Anyway, it's a really fun game. If uh, if you, like me, have stepped away from the series for a long time, you may find Final Fantasy XV refreshing. Anyway, that, Dave, is our fifth star of the week, which means that now we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 22 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Escape the Labyrinth of Evil. It was written by Naruhisa Arakawa. Its original air date was July 20th, 1997. You can watch along, of course, either on the DVDs or at ShoutFactory.tv. And, I recommend you do, haven't had a bad episode of this show yet. And we'll be right back. Alright, welcome back. We have just finished watching episode 22 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Dude, this was... This actually, I think this was a real... um. Monster wise, oh, well, this is a real, monster. real highlight of an episode. Um, let's go ahead and get into it. It's a uh, it's a Shunin Miku episode. Yeah, 
which we find out pretty uh which we find out pretty quickly. Yeah, but not immediately. Immediately, there's a driver. He is uh like a truck driver driving down the country road, listen to a baseball game on the radio when suddenly he is attacked. Well, kind of attacked. Suddenly, well, kind of. Suddenly there appears a monster. Dave, this monster is the antlion Nezere. Yes, and he does look like a big, gross antlion. So he he, he has kind of looks like him. the predator a little bit. Like his he face. does have kind of a yeah. He's got kind of a predator vibe. I see it. So here is the well. We'll listen. We'll get into how much I like antlion Nezere in a minute. But he uh, he creates like a portal that the truck driver drives through, and he then he then the truck driver immediately says. Oh no! And then the truck driver doesn't say anything else uh, ever again because he drives his highly flammable truck into a wall and it explodes, and yes. that man dies in a flame. It's a pretty in, in harsh, fire, pretty harsh opening. It's a pretty harsh opening. Um, this is not apropos of the episode, Matt. But you know, I was reading a Fantastic Four comic the other day. Oh yeah, and I was. In the context of superheroes, you've got this. Okay, there's the Fantastic Four, right? There's Mister Fantastic, who's a smart, stretchy man, and that's very good. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Invisible Woman, who can turn invisible and, uh, you know, do force fields. And then the Thing can hit you very, very hard. Right. And then Human Torch is a is a walking, talking, sentient violation of the Geneva Convention. If you've ever burned yourself, like even a tiny bit. The Human Torch's powers are a horror show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they can. They certainly can be. <laughs> like, like, that dude just rolls around, like, hurling flame blasts at everybody. Like, it's nobody's business. Um, and that's... <laughs> anyways. And he can fly. Um, and he can fly. The flying is big. Anyways, um, so that man is dead and that's very bad but we go from there to miku and she's having a very nice day yeah she's, so that's nice she's on her computer which is like a weird you la- could technically call it a computer yes it is it is not okay i think this is before they were called laptops i think this is a notebook pc maybe yeah, man, I am not sure. Um, it, it looks is like so... a big Nintendo DS. It that's exactly what it looks like. Um, it is so old; it is not immediately recognizable to the modern human as like a laptop computer. And when Matt says a big DS, he doesn't mean like a gigantic one. He means it's like I would say maybe like time and a half the size of a DS. Yeah, but much thicker. Um, anyways, so he has it, and what she's doing with this thing is that she is, uh, checking her horoscope. Yes, now we find out that she is a Pisces, because it says that Pisces girls are excellent right now, and they have great- Excellent. They have great compatibility with Virgo men. And who comes coming down the street, uh, or down the stairs, rather? It's Shun, who we find out is a Virgo. Yes. I- Has this been- I think this has been building a little bit, right? That Miku was kind of into shooting. Yeah, I remember this was sort of a running theme. 
Uh, some episodes ago, during the episodes with the 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 monster who the the bat Nazare who made the 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 yes. women. Yeah, there was a little twinge of that, but I think this is where we're really. It's much more developed yeah. in this episode. So Shun is. Uh, it's summer vacation. This this episode aired in July. Shun is like on his way to summer cram school. He is not wearing his school uniform, which is weird. He's got like some product in his hair, so it's not quite as poofy, but it still looks great. And Miku obviously knows where he is going to school and has like waited here for him to quote unquote happenstantially run into him. <laughs> yeah, so she runs up and she's like, oh my gosh, Shun, where are you going? You going to cram school? Um, hey, aren't you a Virgo? Sh- yeah, and Shun is obviously like, oh, hey, Muku, like, it's really nice to see you. And then he gives her some definite flack about about uh, horoscopes. Well, because what she says is like, hey, aren't you a Virgo? That's great because I'm a Pisces and my horoscope says that Pisces and Virgo people are very compatible right now. Uh, they can get through any obstacle together. Isn't that great? Like, shouldn't we... She doesn't say shouldn't we be in love forever right now, but her eyes do. And Shun, I think, sees this and decides yeah, to not engage. And instead, yeah, he does. this is when he goes in to be like, yeah, but I mean, like, horoscopes are whatever. I gotta go to school. Yeah, now I will say he does this pretty deftly. Shun does this Shun does this with the with the practiced ease of a dude who is very used to having this conversation, I would say. And I think this tells us something about Shun. I think I think ladies love cool Shun. That is almost certainly true. I feel like that's gotta be true. Like they never I've been teaching my English one classes about about inference, right? Uh, and I think I think we're getting a clear inference here. Not just Miku. I think a lot of ladies love cool Shun. And, you know, he definitely is practiced at doing this. But he is not so smooth with it that Miku doesn't, like, know what he's doing and get annoyed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is definitely true. Um, she is sort of frustrated with him. So we we go from there... And and what we find out about uh, the the monster antlion Nezere is that he can create portals, but he he has this like staff, and the staff is like a power conduit or something. But basically, his plan is that he is just going to create like thousands of invisible portals just all around the world. And because people will never be able to know if their next step might take them to like a totally crazy location, it will throw the world into chaos. And and this is how the Nezri will take over. I think this is a super interesting as a plan. We've never seen anything like this before. And B, I think the idea of choosing an antlion as the monster is a stroke of genius. It's so good. The only other time an antlion has been this scary has been in Sim Ant, which I guess you never played. Man, but there are antlions. I was going to say, that Matt, that was man. I could sense, I could sense the power and and truth of that joke as it like whistled by me. But I did never play Sim Ant. <laughs> Sim Ant was of the era of like 
Sim games. It was like around the same time as Sim Life. Like, sort of around SimCity 2000, they were just like, man, I don't know. Let's make some other Sim games. And one Sim, of, just go ahead and Sim everything. Yeah, and Sim Ant was like, you had an ant colony. Um, and you were like controlling it. And there was an ant lion who would like, you know, like lay in wait and you would fall into its traps. Which is great because ant lions like dig holes and other things like fall into them and they grab them. Yeah, no, I think that's like, man, this is just, this is a very, very cool monster. So, um, one, one of the examples says, that we get of the people who are being thrown into chaos are these two girls who are at like a water park and they're on a water slide. And then all of a sudden they're just in a walk-in freezer and they're like, oh, uh, this is bad. And it cuts away from them. I assume they get out eventually. We never see them again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we get a couple. There's a family that has a portal in their, uh, in their living room and they, they are a recurring character. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, right. Cause we go to, an, there's guess, an archery but... range. And before the arrows hit the targets, they fly through a portal into this family's kitchen. And, like, all of them narrowly miss the father. Yeah, the only thing that um, I would have preferred somehow in in that scene for, like, that poor family is if they had gotten the actor who plays Dr. Kubota to reprise his role <laughs> as, like, the poor beleaguered family from last season uh, and be like, nope, this is just a different guy. He just happens to look the exact same. So what we find out is that um, this staff that Aunt Lion Desiree has is, like, a power booster but can only go so far. And he says, listen, I need, like, I need more power, basically, to, to really wreck the world with this plan mm-hmm. and uh he's on communication with uh dr hinelar dr hinelar says no problem the nezere crystal is all like done and powered up i'm sending it to you now guy rail pops in and he says to uganda and shibalina he's like hey man um mega ranger is obviously going to try to stop you you've had problems with them before like are you good like can you handle this and they're like, of course we can. Like, we're on this. We're great. Don't step on our toes. I see what you're... They don't say I see what you're doing, but they see what he's doing. Yeah, um, they do blow him off, like, real, real quickly for people who have definitely gotten whooped by Mega Ranger. Yeah, the thing is... Guy, 19 different times. Guyrail is 100% correct. Like, the Mega Rangers are going to show up and ruin their plan eventually. So, um, they're like, obviously, kind of fast-forwarding very quickly. We go back down. They get the crystal. Antlion, Desiree's like, hooray. And then the rangers show up. And Miku has a great move. And I, I really like this, which is Miku acts first and questions later. But she, I feel like she knows, like she knows the score because she shows up and she says, that's a staff and there's a big old crystal in it. And that is therefore important. And she just like blasts and grab it. And they're like, do you even know what you have? And she says, no, I don't, but you clearly want it. And that means you can't have it. Uh, So Antlion Nezere is furious. He zaps Miku, but Shun at this point has like jumped up to like stand next to her. He kind of grabs her as she's being zapped, and they both just disappear because they have been zapped with this teleporting energy that Antlion Nezere has. Yeah, it's real. It's it's so cool. It's not just an energy blast; it is like an offensive teleport. Yeah, 
And so now they're just off the board. Like, they have disappeared and have gone somewhere else, but they have the gem. Yes. So wherever they are, they try to, like, um, they try to tag in with their, their communicators, but there's no signal. Yeah, there is something that is blocking their communication with Galaxy Mega. Or the yeah, Mega and Chef, then, which uh, becomes Galaxy. You know what I mean. Sh- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then shouldn't Miku have a little a little back and forth about this? And she's like, dude, that was really reckless. And she says, well, you know, somebody needed to do something. And he says, well, yeah, but like you got to think about stuff before you do it. And Miku just kind of throws out the, okay, fine, I guess I'm dumb. Which, uh... Which, let me just tell you, that's, uh, if you don't happen to be in a long-term relationship with somebody, that right there is what we call a trap. (laughs) Don't, yeah, don't, as soon as somebody says that, that means, I shouldn't say a trap, but if somebody ever says that, like, in that way, that's a, that's an immediate flag that you need to backtrack and be like, whoa, this conversation got off track, and we all need to make some apologies, and, uh, you know, just kind of get back, get back to where we are grooving and vibing together. Shun does not do that. No. Because he's very, he's very practiced at, like, jujitsuing away from relationships. But he's not good at being <laughs> in relationships. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, and, so, it, and, it, and like Miku was obviously still hurt from earlier where he had blown her off. Because she's like, yeah, I guess I'm dumb. I believe in horoscopes. I grab power gems. These are all just reckless things that I do. I guess I suck. Uh, this is going on for a moment until Antlion Nazare shows up. And, I mean, listen, he's not there to save Shun, but Shun should be grateful for his interruption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he definitely would. Or should, rather. So, Antlion, like we say, Antlion shows up, and he's like, Hey! Who are you, who are you idiots? Who are you, dummies? Only two humans for literally miles around, it seems. Where did the rangers go? I know that I zapped two mega rangers with my teleporting powers and then followed them to where the teleporting powers sent them. And I know that those two mega rangers had my Nezere jam, and I see that you two have my Nezere jam. So my only question is where did the mega rangers go, and how did you get the Nezere gem from them? <laughs> and I love how stupid monsters are sometimes and i feel like we've had this for a while we had this like this was all of car ranger of them clearly being the car rangers and no one being able to put it together it was uh i feel like they played it as a joke more in car ranger and i feel like they're playing it a little bit serious here but maybe there's like a meta joke because again Who who else could it be? But anyways, uh, they're just like, we got to run, and they they start running. Now, now Miku does start to do a transformation, and Shun grabs her before she can, like, give away the fact that they are the Mega Rangers. And as they're running away, she's like, hey, why did you do that? We are superheroes. That's a monster. We should have transformed and fought it. That's what we do. And Shun says, like, listen, try to transform right now. She does, and she can't. And he's like, yeah, you said earlier that there's some sort of interference the same, like, the like the interference that was happening with our communicators, like, that is on the same frequency as the method by which our suits are, like, digitized and delivered to us. So if the, if the digitizer can't be a communicator, it also can't be a henshin device. 
Yeah, um, which is a really cool like narrative twist for this episode. Also something I had not considered. Also something that you should absolutely make sure that the Nezere never ever find out no. that your suits that your suits are dependent on cell signal because it is 1996, my dude. Yeah, there aren't that many satellites. There's basically one, and it's Galaxy Mega. <laughs> so, uh, basically, so they just run, but as they're running, they go through a portal, and then they're running in front of a train, and their first reaction is to just run forward kind of as fast as they can. And they do eventually jump to the side, but they do try to outrun a train a lot longer than seems prudent. And then they go through another portal and they land in a uh, jewelry display in like a a department store. Is that what it is? I thought they were in a toy store and they knocked over a display of toy gems. No. Oh, I figured it was like a schnazzy display of like, oh, here's where the jewelry area is with like a bunch of fake gems. Because the thing is that the gems that they knock over. literally could be either. It doesn't matter. Like all of the gems they knock over are the size of a golf ball. Yeah, that's why I figured it was a display. This is completely immaterial. The point is they land in a display. There's a bunch of fake gems and they, they do grab one. Miku grabs one, which she thinks is the real one, but it isn't. Yeah, because they all look like the Nezere crystal, crucially. Now, Dave, maybe they landed. Enough, maybe right? they landed in the Nature Company, which was an old store that used to be in malls that just had a wall of gemstones that you could buy and like precious rocks and unprecious rocks. Yeah, I was going to say mostly non-precious rocks, but they did have like huge things of like amethyst geodes and stuff, dude. I and remember when stores were good? Remember when malls Man, existed? I was, dude. I was. I was in a mall a while. A semi, semi not, not, not recently. But recently enough to have this memory, and I saw another store that kind of had like a semi-nature company vibe, and I just realized like I will forever be chasing the high of of that like nature company, like late 90s at the mall by yourself as a teenager in the nature. The nature company was just so chill. It was, a very it was cool such store. a good vibe. I think there was a water feature in the store. There was a water... Well, it was like a small one, and you could buy one, but they definitely did have a water feature, and it was an extremely good store. Yeah, Anyways. Man, growing up during the days of the late 90s, like, unstoppable at the time, eventually it was stoppable. Uh, re- it was very definitely stoppable. Retail boom, and just wandering through a mall, and like, I don't know how a, sor- how a, how a store can exist in a mall that only sells swords and chess sets but I guess it's here and I'm going to walk into it and not buy something every time I'm at the mall. <sighs> those were the days. Anyway, those were, man, those were the days that nineties, that night, only nineties kids will remember Matt. Only nineties kids will remember s- sword stores at the mall that also sell chess sets. Well, you know, they also sold throwing knives and they also sold throwing, throwing knives. knives that were shaped like, Shaped and decorated like playing cards so that you could buy now, them and pretend you were Gambit. Matt, now I know you don't go to Reddit. And that is overall probably a very a very good decision. But I will give you one piece of advice, man. If you want to relive in some small way that experience, and uh, forgive me, this is going to get slightly blue, but it's in the name. You go ahead and you log on to www.reddit.com slash r slash mall ninja shit. And it's it's three hundred and thirty two thousand people, Matt, have subscribed to this, and it is just 
it is just post after post of of the absolute creme de la creme of of mall sword store nonsense. Yeah, I love it. I, I would love to, I I don't go on Reddit. I would love to see that. Man, you get, should go get, on it. Get, get Man, I'm looking right day. now. No, oh, please go ahead. I want to hear what you Oh looking yeah. At. I'm looking right now, Matt. It's like a glovey, grippy thing, and it's shaped like a scorpion, but the scorpion head is also a skull, but the skull has fangs, and I I I guess you could punch a person with it, and then the knife the tail comes around and the tail is also a knife. Hell yeah. You know what I was thinking about the other day, Dave? I was looking at um some pictures that uh, a friend of mine had posted that they were at one of those like axe throwing places. You know the axe throwing places that exist where you go and you throw axes. Yeah, and they also somehow have have liquor licenses and can serve you real alcohol. Yeah, I don't know how any of that works, but I was looking. I was like, man, I don't know what the big appeal is of throwing axes. And don't I, you though? Well, okay. And then I stopped have you thought for a about moment. it? I stopped for a moment and then I backed up <laughs> and I was like, the reason that I'm not especially interested in going axe throwing is that I feel like I got a lot of that out of my system in high school when you bought a bunch of throwing knives and we built like a throwing knife target thing in the garage. It would just spend hours and hours in the garage throwing knives, dude. Um, it's roll fun. It's very also, good. Yeah, also, if you have ever actually tried to throw a knife, you will laugh forever at any movie that involves throwing knives. Oh, yeah. I remember when we were, like, in the, like, in the height of our knife-throwing days, we watched The Postman, and there's a scene where Kevin Costner just, like, hucks a knife at a guy, and it hits him perfectly. And I have never been so incredulous at a Kevin Costner movie, and I've seen Waterworld. <laughs> Waterworld gets a bad rap. Waterworld's pretty I, fun. I actually, yeah, I grew up on Waterworld. Actually, Postman's pretty good, again. too. Postman is also very good. Tom Petty's in Postman. Um, dude, but he's not famous. The Postman yeah, is famous. You're famous, man. Oh, dude. I, I think it holds up. Okay, anyways. Okay, uh, so, Denji Sentai Mega Ranger, episode 22. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the episode, Matt, shining in the heavens. There are five stars. Dave, what is our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Matt, is that Miku and Shun uh, kind of jump into another portal, and they uh, are on a, like a, at first I thought it was a beach, then I thought it was a refinery, then I thought it was a construction site, but the point is, is that they very quickly end up buried in sand. Uh, Dave, I think I, I have a list of things that they've done, and I think it was all of those in very quick succession. Oh, okay. Dig it, dig it, dig it. Um, they're so running, here is... they're on train tracks, they're at the toy store or gem store or jewelry store or the nature company. They're inside the back of an open moving truck. They're rolling down a oh, hillside. Yeah. Then they're at a construction site and buried by a load of loose dirt. Now, I will say, I think this is a very fun plan on Antlion and Nezare's part. I also think it's a very bad plan. Because his theory is that he will create a network of instantaneous free transport all across the globe. And that this will somehow sow chaos in, in the universe. When what would actually happen is that Amazon would monetize that in the space of four days. Right. Well, the thing is that Antlion and Nezare, and the Nezare in general, 
I guess, don't have a lot of faith in humanity's ingenuity of, like, pattern matching. Because they're like, ah, like, we'll set up this whole network and it will cause chaos. But the thing is that, as it turns out, as we will find out pretty shortly, these portals are not random. Like, they appear random from one to the next, but if you are being chased by a giant antlion monster... And you can know where you are coming in and going out because you know the area. And you can plot all of them down on a map. You will realize that it is actually forming a pattern. And that pattern is like any figure eight Mobius strip. Yes. And this is precisely what Shun does. Now, I didn't think... I figured that they were using... I thought he was like using their uh, their internet connection as a sort of like crude GPS. But even crude... Shun is like, I think this is it. And he hits the keyboard like four times and then a map pops up and it fills in with all, every single one of the portals that it like somehow plots them immediately. And he's like, oh yeah, this is how it works. So I'm actually going to revise it. I, I think it would probably take less than four days for humans to monetize this system. Man, this is an M, I'm looking also, I'm looking at an M38 knife pistol. It's a single shot knife pistol. With a thirty-eight bullet inside of it. A single-shot knife pistol. Yeah. Where does yep, the yep, bullet yep. come out? Um, Over the knife. I'll just... Why don't I just drop that in the chat for me? Yeah, I was going to say, why don't I just go ahead and drop that in the chat for you? MR-38 knife pistol, colon, a single-shot knife pistol chambered for a thirty-eight special. Oh, it's a gun blade. This is Final Fantasy VIII. It is a gunblade. No, maybe that's why I like it. It's a very small gunblade. It's a, it's the tiniest gunblade. This is like the gunblade if they did... I think this is the gunblade you would get if they did like a Redwall remake of Final Fantasy VIII. I think that's what <laughs> you're dealing with here. So, <laughs> so anyways. Um, so Shun immediately maps out this whole plan. He's like, I've got, I've got the doors. And not only somehow do I have the doors, as we will shortly discover, but I've created like a pathing system through all of these. Anyways, Antlion shows up. He chased, he blasts he, and chases them. They run. They run into a spot. There's two doors. And Miku's like, we got to pick a door. And Shun's like, but which one will we pick? And he experiences a brief moment of analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. And then Miku just picks a door and blasts through it. Uh, she does go through that door off a cliff into some water. And I think it's like 15, 20 feet up. So she's, she's probably, she's fine. The music sure. makes it seem much more dramatic than it is. Shun pumps through the door as well, sees her down there and is like, well, I guess this is just what we're doing. And hops in after her. Yeah. Now this does leave me to questions about Miku's laptop, which totally survives this complete immersion in seawater. Dude, I feel like Miku's laptop is probably a similar build of, like, the original Game Boy, which you could put through a full washer and dryer cycle, and it would come out fine. Man, I don't know that that's true, but if you told me it was part of the ad copy at some point, I would believe you. Those things were indestructible. Yeah, they'd call them bricks for a reason. So They're, They were like the uh, that, that one cell phone that you can't break. The Nokia. So anyways, uh, the Rangers are still fighting the Kune Kune. 
Um, I think this is the most egregious example I've seen so far, in Mega Ranger at least, of they're still fighting. Like, all... <laughs> like, we had a solid, like, six or seven minutes of of stuff, and then we just shoot back, and they're like, oh, this is really tough, you guys. But they do at least admit, like, this fight is taking a really long time. We're, like, burning through a lot of our, our daily abilities here. Mm-hmm. Like, we gotta... We got to get wrap this up. What I think is funny about this fight and then this episode in general is that until the last like minute of this episode, not only is this a Shun and Miku episode like narratively, this is a Shun and Miku episode because the other actors aren't in it. Like Kenta. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, like Kenta. Kenta is in it for like five seconds at the end. Yeah, but like Kenta, Kuichiru, and Chizato. Like, the characters are in it, but they're already transformed when they show up. This is, like, an episode where three of them were on vacation, and Kenta was like, yeah, I'll show up for, like, five minutes, but I need a week off. And this was Miku and Shun's week to be like, okay, well, I guess we're carrying the show this week. <laughs> um, So, the Rangers are still fighting, and they're like, we'll be good. We just got to keep going. Um, we go back, and Shun has found Miku. Miku is passed out, and Shun's like, oh, I guess I got to do CPR. Well, because she passed out in the water. C- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he goes in to do CPR, and she wakes up right at the right at the second, and of course, they both are, are hugely embarrassed. Uh, but, you know, like, embarrassed in the, like... They look away from each other, but when you see their individual faces, especially hers, she's like, this is embarrassing, but also cool. But also real cool. Wish I hadn't woken up. Um, so then there's, there's a little moment. There's a little moment. They're recovering from this, and Shun says, well, I guess horoscopes are wrong because we have faced a lot of obstacles. And then she's like, oh, Shun, you listen to what I said. Uh, and then she gets blasted, but then Shun interrupts. Hooray. Like, not hooray, because he does then get blasted by Aunt Lioness, right? Pretty and that's bad, bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Uh, and then, <laughs> astonishingly, Miku just pulls the, like, look, there's the Mega Rangers. And then Aunt Lion turns around, like, like she 100% gets in with this. Um, he has never heard human jokes before. And not only is he distracted, he is so distracted that Miku, like, when he turns away, she walks over and just pushes him over. Um, <laughs> he like now, falls over in, on his face and she runs over Aunt and Lion, grabs Shun and they run away in his defense Aunt Lion Nezere is very top heavy extraordinarily top heavy he's got a very large noggin um, we jump back to the ranger fight again it's going poorly they're like we gotta use our combination weapons and they try and then Uganda sort of like bounces it off of his arm and he's like I'm upgraded nerds right. get at me and they're like we need all five of us and then we're back to Shun and Miku so they get cornered, right? Like they had gotten away for a moment, but now they are cornered. Ant Lion Nezere says, You've got to give me the crystal right now. And Shun says, You know what? Okay, I will give you the crystal. And he pulls a crystal out of his pocket, and it's a pink crystal, like we had seen earlier in the episode. And he says, Here it is. And he sort of turns back to Miku and is like, Listen. When I count to three, like, just, I'm going to run one direction, you run the other. And we see that uh, Miku sort of, like, checks her pocket and sees that she still has 
the Nezere crystal that she had stolen originally. So this is now a, a decoy crystal that Shun has gotten from whatever store it was. We're not going to get back into it that he was that they were at earlier. Um, there's also a moment because like the the crystal that Miku has is in her pocket, and she's sort of like like patting at her pocket, and he sort of reaches over and grabs her hand as she is grabbing that crystal to like. And it's kind of unclear as to whether or not he is also grabbing for that crystal to signal to her that, like, that is what is happening. Or yeah. if he's reaching over to, like, grab her hand because, like, this is a moment that they're sharing. It is not clear. And it does seem as though the fact that she theoretically has a decoy crystal would would be a much larger plot point. But then... It kind of isn't. I mean, it is for a minute, right? Because what happens is he says, you know, like, because he shows Antlion Nezere, like, I have the crystal. And then he starts running. And Antlion Nezere and the Kunikune both follow after him. Now, at this point... He does actually have the crystal is the thing. No, he doesn't. He has the fake one. She has the real one. I thought he had the real one. No, so she's got the real one. Oh, my bad. She has the real one. He has the fake one. She also okay, has the yes. computer. Okay, no, no, no. I got a little... You're totally right, Matt. I got a little bit flipped around. So I think what he was doing is he is putting his hand on her. That's got to be it. To be like, no, no, no. I've got a decoy and I will. Yeah. So, and also at this point, she has gotten her computer back that has the whole network of portals mapped out. So... He is drawing all of the threat away from her, and she now has a map to follow the portals back to, like, the nexus point that they assume is, like, the fight where the other three rangers are fighting Uganda and Shibalina, where the staff is, so that she can, like, get there and deal with the problem at its root. And Shun is going to, like, take the heat away from her while she's doing this. Yes. So she's got the so, computer. She's following. At this point, like this is now the third time as she is going through all these portals that she ends up in the kitchen of that one family where the arrows had shot into the kitchen. And they are just like, we maybe just need to move. Yeah, this house is not a cool place for us to live anymore. So uh, what Miku says is she's like, ooh, I can follow the... I could follow the data and destroy the system. I'm not really sure what she means by by that. Um, I think she just means like I can destroy the the originating source of these portals, which is the staff yeah, at the nexus of this whole I, thing. I guess. Um, so I think basically her plan is that she is. I think what she's she's doing. Well, this is what she eventually does. And she's like, well, I just have to get back to where I originally was because, like, that's the origin point. So she's just like using the computer to re sort of retrace her steps mm-hmm. to to get back to the to the same spot. Um, Shun is on a rooftop now, and he's cornered. And they're like, "Give us the thing." And he's like, "All right, sure, here it is." And they're like, "This is fake." And he's like, "Yep." You're a dummy. It's definitely the fake one. They fight for a minute, and then Shun just gets thrown off of the roof, by which I mean a very obvious ragdoll that is dressed in Shun's clothing gets thrown off the roof. 
And you know it's an obvious ragdoll because its limbs do like the weird floppy thing in the air that a human limb would never do. They, so they ragdoll. Yeah, they ragdoll. Yes, yeah, they ragdoll is what they do. So, um, we go back to Miku. She's sort of like running around, and she gets to like a cliff, and the original cliff that she sort of jumped through, uh, and she. Or the original portal she went through put them on the very edge of a cliff. And now she's at the top of the cliff and she's like, I just have to jump off the cliff and that'll put me in the portal back to the spot. But obviously it is scary because the portal is invisible and she's kind of trying to do it. And then Antlion finds her. Um, Yeah, and like knocks her over and grabs the crystal and all of this was for naught. And now Shun is dead too because he fell off of the roof. We didn't see him land, but you know, he wasn't transformed and he fell off a roof. What else could happen? He's obviously dead. Except he's not. Dude rides in on a motorcycle a dirt with a bike. helmet. A dirt bike. Um, and I love that. I, first of all, I love that they always wear helmets. I think that's a very good like public safety thing. But they do take a step further because Shun still can't transform. So he just uses the helmet as like a bludgeon. Yeah. He hops off the <laughs> dirt just- bike. And just beats all of these kune kune down with his motorcycle helmet. It is extremely good. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, it's a strong move. Um, so then Miku's like, I lost the crystal. And she's sad. And then Shun says, this is, dude, Shun is smooth. This is an oh, yeah. excellent line. Miku starts to he cry says, for a moment. Yeah. And Shun says, hey. Save your tears for happy moments. I guess I trust the horoscope a little. And then there's an extra helmet, and she puts it on, and then they go and just... I forgot that the portal was off the cliff, because what it looks like is they just do, like, drive that dirt bike straight off of, like, a (laughs) 100-foot cliff. Yeah, it's... Oh, man. Him, like, wiping the tear away from her face, comforting her, and, like, she getting on the back of the motorcycle... The fact that they are not dating in every episode... I mean, I haven't seen all the episodes after this. The idea that they would not be dating in every episode after this is like, how, how could that possibly have happened? Like, How could that... They what, got on the dirt bike and about? they went off the cliff. Like, and now they are married. Dude, this is... This That's is how I want to get time. married. Get on a dirt bike and jump <laughs> off a cliff through a portal into a place where you hit an antlion monster in the face with a dirt bike. Happily ever after. Yeah. True romance. Uh, so Dave. basically, they're, <laughs> they're, um, they, they show up and Shun's like, blast that, the cane. Like, the cane is the problem. And they're just like, oh, great. Pfft. The very obvious MacGuffin cane that we have been ignoring this whole time. Thank you so much, Shun. They blast it, and all the, the teleporters are disrupted. And then the Kune Kune gone and Shibalina and Uganda are gone. Yeah, I really like and this na- because the explosion of the crystal has caused like a wave of chaotic teleportation energy that just took Shibalina and Uganda and all the Kune Kune and just dropped them on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Um, and now where they were worried about witnesses earlier, now we're sort of in like Hitman mode. Which is, if you kill everyone who saw you do something, there aren't any witnesses and it doesn't affect your score. Because now Shun and Miku are like, we can teleport or we can we can transform now. Be- 
because we're about to murder you. And they do. And Antli and Nezere is like, oh, you guys? Come on. Oh, I can't believe it. Dang you got it. me. Um, there is, so they they shoot him with the combo rifles and he goes giant. And then they, they, he goes, they summon uh, Galaxy Mega. And there's, it's a very short fight from this for this part of it, but it is notable for two reasons. The first reason is that they execute like a textbook UFC ground and pound. They just like dive tackle Antlion Nazare and just like punch him in the head while while perched on top of him. And then uh Miku takes over and they just like power bomb his whole body. Yeah. That's awesome. It's extreme. And then good. the fight gets really good. Because he gets up and he's like, okay, this is not going my way. It's time for some teleportation tricks. He creates a portal. He walks through it. Galaxy Mega with the Rangers inside are like, well, obviously we're winning this fight super easily. So let's just follow this guy through his portal and beat him up there. Goes through the portal and it turns out that the like dimensional portals that he has been doing that are like thematically antlion trap style stuff is not the only antlion thing that he can do because they arrive and immediately fall into a sand pit that he has dug because he is an antlion. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't expect that, but I very definitely did not expect there to be an actual literal like skyscraper sized antlion trap. Right. Uh, I can only say I'm delighted that they did. Because like they're like, well, this monster does the antlion thing with like energy and dimensional portals, and that's how he does it. But then when he actually just does the real version of it, it's so delightful. It it is, and they actually have way more trouble with that than the teleporting one. Uh, now, the key element that Antlion forgot is that they do have a second robot now. So they just called Delta Mega, and he looks up, and he definitely has like, oh no, the other one, <laughs> sort of vibe on his giant rubber I Antlion only, face. I only dug one hole. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have time. Um, so so okay, so they shoot him with a bunch of lasers, and he falls over. And then they're yeah, like, there's okay, a great, cool. There is a great moment where, like, Galaxy Mega, like, brandishes the, the big laser blaster that it carries. But Delta Mega just has Gatling fingers, so it just sort of has to, like, <laughs> like, like brandish its hand menacingly. Uh, they, so, yeah, man, they, as you say. They shoot him a hundred times and he falls over. And then they both turn back into spaceships, fly into space turn back from spaceships into giant robots, combine into one giant robot, fly back down from space to this place where they were fighting, and then, just as Antlion Nezere is starting to stand up, they shoot him again, but this time with fists. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell they very definitely just got a new toy and did this for fun. Antlion was very obviously already defeated. <laughs> it was absolutely no need to do a gigantic mega fusion to, to achieve this. Now, as, as his final move, Antlion, the teleport monster, does elect to just, to just go for a bull rush uh, directly into, into like Gatling rocket fists, just head on. Is Which is a tactical monster, error a tactical on his monster. part, but I, I, I don't know how much it would have mattered in his case. So, um, so that's the end of Antlion, right? Yes. We go from there 
back to the fountain. Next day. Uh, yep, Miku is wearing a red shirt. Cici Shun. And so she was on her computer, and the horoscope says Virgo, which is Shun's sign. Virgo, their lucky color today is red, which Miku knew. She wore a red shirt. She's here to meet Shun. She sees him, and she's like, Shun, red is your lucky color today. Boom, check this shirt. Kenta, glorious Kenta, comes around the corner, and he didn't dye his hair Kool-Aid red, but other than that, from from tip to toe, he finally is decked out. Finally, the Red Ranger is wearing all red. Uh, it is, I think, maybe the reddest any Red Ranger has ever been. And Shun looks at Miku, sees the very clear opportunity to troll her, and is like, "Kenta, my du- my lucky lucky boy." Come with me, please. And then, like, they sort of, like, skip off arm in arm and leave Miku in the dust. Uh, she is not thrilled. The, it, through the Did you watch the end credits this week, by the way? I did. It reminded me of the scene from um, HH with Shoy Shoy. Yeah, it's the same as the weird end credits from last week. And now I'm wondering if they're, like, in the middle of a festival season and it's going to go back to normal or if this is just the new end credits. But after the end credits, it uh, they're doing the little blurb about next episode. And the joke of this one is that Shun is telling you about what the next episode is going to be while he is hiding from Miku, who is running after him. Mm. There's always some good gags in the, uh, in the post-credits bit. Uh, anyway, Dave, that is the end of the episode. But of course, it is not the end of our episode. Because first, we need to determine where... Ant Lion Nazare lands in the Creature Royale. And Dave, this guy's great. This guy is really, dude, he is really, really good. Um the the immediate spot where he jumps in for me, honestly, is Suchigumo the Spider Monster from Kaku Ranger. Ooh, gosh. He really? is a well, okay. I just sort of saw him at the top of. I saw him, and there's some immediate similarities, right? They're both okay. Spiders aren't insects, but they're both bugs. They're both very like layer slash trap dependent. True, true. Um, they're doing it in a really interesting way. Now, Suchigumo really that was a very good episode, and Suchigumo is an amazing monster. I was going to say Suchigumo and, has the benefit of being like genuinely creepy, and that sh- that yeah. like the the cinematography of that episode was such that he was presented like a horror movie monster, and that was very good. Man, I I think I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna make some time try to and go back and watch some of those Cocker Ranger episodes. Cocker Ranger is a really good show. So I just, you know, no, I, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's up there. Um, yeah. Cause Suchigumo is at number 12 on the list right now. But I will say, Antlion Nezere is really, okay. Where's our highest ranked Nezere? I think our highest ranked Nezere right now is spot number 41, and that's Neo Bat Nezere. Okay, now this is when Bat Nezere had already been defeated. Um, at, Came back for the second episode. Second episode, and that's when he was when he created the Cyborg Flautists. 
Um, that was yeah. really good. Uh, it was really good. It has the benefit of being a, a double monster. Mm-hmm. And then just below him is XX Milano, the pizza maker, and Barum Micron, and then Meteor Bem. Um, okay. I, I mean, I think we're in a good spot here. I think this is the round on yeah. the list where we want to go. Because if we drop too okay. much further down, the next Nezare that we have is Rose Nezare. And I, uh, like I mean, way, way further down. Rose Nezare is, is at number 56. And Rose Nezare is really cool. Especially like the char- like the monster design of Rose Nezare is great. It is. I I do like Antlion Nezare more. I think purely for the the total uniqueness of this plan. Like yeah. n- I feel like Antlion Nezare has some character in a really cool way. And again, this idea of like a giant teleport maze trap, uh, I don't think we've ever seen any monster do anything like this okay so in any of the seasons we've watched. okay so if we don't like him as much as neobat nazarite number 41 and we like him more than rose nazarite number 56 that gives us a pretty narrow window to work within right it is here's my here's kind of my spot um i'm looking at sarugami the ninja monkey mm-hmm. sarugami the ninja monkey was cool but he was mostly cool because he had like a really cool really unique plan yes like there was not a a monster tactic that like anyone had done before and you know like the other monsters are like cool and fun and and really good uh and they had like a cool twist you know like Didi Danma with telephone ordering but i think like right around sarugami is is the spot Okay, so right I think ab- I would go like I was gonna say. Right I above- think I would go just below Saragami the Ninja Monkey. Okay, so you're looking below that. I was gonna say because right above that is Baramicron. Yeah, I Saragami the Ninja Monkey. I think wins it out just in that his look itself is a lot cooler. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, so. Yeah, because just below that is uh, Vivi Gorin, who is like an evil Olympic torch, who is fun in a lot of ways. But I think that Antline Nezare is better. No, yeah, I think Antline Nezare is cooler than him. So I would say just above Vivi Gorin and just below Sarugami the Ninja Monkey. Okay, so the new number 46 in the Creature Royale, we've got our boy Antline Nezare. I was going to say, go treat yourself to some Sim Ant. I have no idea if that game holds up, even a little bit. But you know, this episode does. Lo, these many years later. And I am glad that we've watched it, Dave. And that is the end of this here episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Now, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, tell a friend, tell a foe, tell your family. Just get the word out. Uh, we would appreciate that very greatly. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.